Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Super big thanks, as always, go out to Ace Andrews. He'll be engineering your show today. Hey, just a second, I would love to ask for you to go out to iWorkForHim.com. Please take a moment and honor Martha and I and honor the Lord by going out there and checking out what we're offering as a challenge. We'd like you to join the iWorkForHim nation. We'd like you to make that commitment to start looking like your workplace is your mission field and acting like your workplace is your mission field. We'd like you to join Martha and I as we are challenging people across the nation and around the world to recognize that we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. And by joining the I Work For Him Nation, you're making that commitment to say, you know what, I'll start praying for my coworkers and employees by name today. And just start to see what the Lord will do in my heart and the hearts of those around me each and every day. But it does take a paradigm shift in our minds. And we talk about this all the time. And I bring this up because in my own mind, every day, multiple times a day, I have to remind myself the same thing. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And really, honestly, people, we all have to recognize that every day, this is something we need to be cognizant of. We've got to stop repeating the behaviors that the world says is customary, that the world says is acceptable. Because if it's okay to the world, it is absolutely probably all over the place screwed up. So then stop reproducing the messed up. Let's start bringing God's way back into what we do. Specifically, start bringing them into our workplaces, whatever that workplace may be. You know, sometimes truth is weirder than fiction, but sometimes truth is truth. But today we're going to talk about using fiction to present the truth. And and I, I'm as everybody knows out there that's listening, if you've been a listener for any amount of time, I am an avid reader. I read books all the time. I've read 40 books already this year. But I love fiction. It's like an, it's like getting an extra dessert at dinner. And I love reading Christian fiction. And today, we've got Eva Marie Everson with us. And she is an avid writer. She's written many, many books, but she loves to write fiction. Eva, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. And it is Everson. It is Everson. Did it's I say Everson. it wrong? Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. Eva Marie Everson. I thought I said it right, but in my mind I said it right, so I apologize about that. Yeah. All right. So as as you have been a writer for so many years, I just want to hear, before we get into the the depth of it all, I love for people to hear from my guests how Christ is making an impact in their lives on a daily basis. And I I kind of changed up the, the, the question. 
share from a, a time from the last few weeks how you have noticed the Lord getting involved in one of those intimate and detailed intimate details in your life. How you saw Him care about those small little things in your life. Wow, well, that, that's a great question for me right now. Um, I am working on a. Um, uh, biography with uh, a, a pastor who is actually over in your area. His name is Eric Eichinger, and uh, we are working on the biography of Eric Little, uh, who was the uh, uh, champion in the 1924 Olympics for running, and of course the movie uh, Chariots of Fire was made about his decision not to run on a Sunday and how that affected uh, other people, and of course, he, he went on to become a missionary in China, where he died during World War II in a in a uh, camp uh, there. Um, and uh, I, in part, I've, I've been reading a lot of books about him. I've been watching a lot of videos about him, but I've also been reading a book he wrote, which is a little known book, but it's about uh, the Christian discipline, the life of the Christian uh, within the context of discipline, and uh, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to reach for it because I don't want to mispronounce or you know, misquote the title. It's called The Disciplines of the Christian Life. And uh, so I felt like in getting that book, I would, I would be able to know more about Eric Little and what he really thought, not just everything that had been written about him, but how he felt about the Lord. And so as I'm reading this book, and always my prayer to God is, draw me closer, draw me closer, draw me closer, draw me closer. And, and so as I'm reading this book, I'm so blown away by the depth of faith this man had that I went out and bought a notebook just for penning my thoughts that the Holy Spirit is stirring up as I'm doing my research on this amazing Christian life. And uh, it's, so, it's so funny to me how God just, and here's my prayer, you know, draw me closer, draw me closer. And then way over here, I get a contract on something that I don't typically do. I don't typically do biographies. In fact, this is my first biography, so I really don't typically do bio- biographies. And, and God knew that in one, I was going to get the answer to the other. That's, that's pretty cool to me. Well, and I love the fact that you're sharing that because, you know, Eric Little's one of those guys that I like to follow because he, what he said was that he feels the pleasure of the Lord when he was running. And, and that's mm-hmm. when I'm on the radio, that's what I feel. No, never yeah. in my life have I felt such pleasure as being on the radio and sharing the message of Christ out here and challenging people to bring their workplace to the mission field. We're talking today with author Ava Marie Everson, and she's a fictional, she writes a lot of fiction. And she loves, loves to use fiction to communicate the truth about Christ. And, and when I got introduced to her from one of my other previous guests on the show, I, 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 we, Ava and I went back and forth about how do we, what, how do I use a fiction writer on I Work For Him? How do we, how do we tie that into our workplace? And I loved the answers. I said, okay, great. Ava, you got to come on the show because we've got to talk about this because I am a huge reader of Christian fiction. And maybe we ought to just explain to people the difference between uh, general market fiction and Christian fiction. Ava, what's your perspective on that? Uh, Well, Christian fiction obviously would have a faith element to it. Um, It's uh, about, to me, for me, it's about real people who endure real situations 
but who lean on the Lord uh, when when those kinds of things come up, the things that we all have to deal with. Um, it's not pie in the sky by and by. It doesn't always work out, I think. If it's written correctly, it doesn't always work out, because life doesn't always work out. So um, there are there are hurts and uh, deep valleys and high mountains in every Christian life. Um, and so I think that that um, Christian fiction will take that concept, put it into words, put it into story, and will then allow the reader to draw from it what the reader needs to hear. Mm. I, I love that, because there has been there have been many fiction books that I've read that the Lord has spoken to me loudly to, because part of, part of the biggest thing with reading that a lot of people... Um, a lot of people don't understand is that when you're reading, the value of reading is when you're reading, you're quiet and the Lord can use that quiet when you, <laughs> to speak to you. And, w- yeah. and when it's a directed fiction, you know, what I look at the difference between general market fiction and Christian fiction is general market fiction isn't afraid to fill my mind full of all kinds of garbage. And yeah. Christian fiction, you know, eliminates the four-letter words, eliminates, mm-hmm. you know, the hot, hot and steamy uh, sex scenes, right. and but communicates the same kind of things that those other mm-hmm. novels try to communicate, but with purpose and intentionality. And, and I and I love that. I can't wait to talk to you about this series because you know well, I know not, when you it's said not, it's not salacious. No, we, we're not correct. writing certain scenes to titillate or to be, you know, just, oh, just for the heck of it, let me just throw this in. We don't do that. Our words have purpose, and we know where we're going with this. We know the theme. We know the message we're trying to get across. And so then every word is deliberate, and every page is prayed over. This is what we do, and this is why we do it. I mean, I could write for the general market. You know, and probably make more money, but I would have to sacrifice something, and I don't want to do that. This is mm. my calling, and this is the way God gave me to do it. Like what we were saying about Eric Little, you know, in Chariots of Fire, he said to his sister that, you know, God made me fast. You know, he said he made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And, and that was a part of his purpose. The fact that he was such a celebrity as a runner is what allowed him to draw people to him so that he could draw people to the Lord. So God gave me this ability to create story in my mind, and I can take that and I can just throw garbage on paper if I want to, or I can use it for a purpose, and this is my purpose. Mm, I love that. And I love hearing your passion because when I challenge you on that, your passion just came out. I was like, I, I agree. And I've, and I'm, it's not like I've just read one of your books. I read three of them and I loved them. And, and again, you know, a lot of people would think, well, fiction and you're writing real life and in it, you know, there's love stories involved, which that's real life. And I'm like, Jim, you really read absolutely because i like to fill my minds with positive my mind with positive things and it's fun to escape every once in a while and at the same time seeing god's hand in the in the stories of each one of the characters in your books is fantastic so let me just step back for a second though as an author your i imagine that your work gives you a unique a unique vantage point into the brokenness of the world and yet and you address it in fiction how do you how do you deal with that unique uh vision of the world, the brokenness that you see? Well, you know, if I don't hurt, I don't think I can 
put that across. Uh, part of what I, I've been, I've been teaching the Bible for a lot of years. I am a seminary graduate. I've been teaching Old Testament theology and, in general, Bible study, speaking at women's groups, etc. There are two things that I have learned. I, I'm also the director of Florida Christian Writers Conference, and I speak at a lot of writers' conferences. And, and, and two things that I have observed, whether I'm speaking at a writers' conference or at a women's conference, you know, like a, a, a Christian women's conference, whether I'm speaking at either one of those two, there are a lot of hurting people. And in mm-hmm. fact, a lot of people, when they're hurting, they, they decide they want to write because they think that if they write, then they will get their words out there. And sometimes what they need to do is, yes, write it, but it's not going to be published. This is cathartic for you, but it's not going to be published. You've got to write out your pain. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I hear so many stories, and I often come away greatly burdened by that in my heart. Um, and I should be. If I'm not, then I'm one cold woman. <laughs> so, well, so um, how did how did you get your start in writing? How did you get your start in writing? You know, I it's it's a crazy story. I always wrote. I've written since I was a little girl. I can remember putting together a story as young as six years old, and I can remember creating stories in the backyard of my 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 childhood home and and acting them out because that's what I've always done in my mind. You know, and some some people have that, and and <laughs> and, and the, the the nice men with the white jackets come, you know, and other people write them down and make money doing it. So um, it's it's like that thing of of we, we hear voices all the time, and and it's really it's okay. Um, but I knew I wanted to be a writer from my earliest childhood, and yet a seventh grade teacher told me I couldn't, and so I didn't. And I went into another career instead. And um, years later, I became sick. I had to tend to my illness for about five years. And during that time period, began reading again, as I, my passion had always been to read and to write. But over the years with, you know, 3.5 kids and, and a social life and, and ministry and this and that, I just didn't have time to read like I used to. Now I had time to read. and And so... When I would get through with a book, I would think, I think I could have written that. You know, and I don't mean that like pat myself on the back and aren't I great. But what I mean is I knew I had that in me, and I knew God was stirring something. So an odd set of circumstances led to me writing for a children's ministry here in the Orlando area, which is a hoop when you think about it. I mean, if you knew me, you would know what a hoop that is, that I was writing for a children's ministry. But in that one-year period, I learned a lot about about writing, uh, you know, quickly, about being edited, about self-editing, and about getting it done. And about that same time, uh, there were five of us wannabe writers who formed a group, which is now 600 members strong all over the world. Uh, it was something that I'm the president of. It's called Word Weavers International. And uh, we were just really learning the ropes, and a door swung open for me. I walked through it, and the next thing I knew, I was signing a contract, and then another one, and another one, and another one. So for me, it's kind of a Cinderella story, which I hate to share, because there are people who are so much better than me as a writer, um, 
who have worked at it and worked at it and worked at it and tried and tried and tried, and those doors have never opened. And I honestly don't know why. Well, I only know that that's that they the hand of the Lord. And, for... I, and I walk through them. Yeah, yeah that's, that's got to be the hand of the Lord in there. But you've written fiction yeah. and you've written nonfiction. And yeah. I've got an opinion which one I think you're really good at. But which one is your favorite? What do you like to write? <laughs> which one do you write, like to write? Well, I really, I, I love to write uh, fiction, obviously. Uh, but there are times when I want to express something that's really deep, deep, deep a part of me. And that's when I will write nonfiction. Um, I wrote uh, a, a book that received a, a lot of accolades and awards about Israel. I walked the land for two weeks with a Jewish friend of mine who lives there. Um, and that book won a silver medallion. Very proud of that book. Uh, it's got a lot of our photography in it, as well as some photography of a, of a well-known photographer in Israel. Um, that, that book is my heart on a platter. Absolutely my heart on a platter. Wow. Uh, I wrote two books with my daughter, uh, Sex Lies in the Media and Sex Lies in High School, uh, because my daughter got sucked in by the media, took a little prodigal trip of her own, came back to the Lord, and she and I wrote those two books together. Again, my heart was in that. Um, and, you know, like now, working on this book about Eric Little, I am so thrilled to be a part of this. Uh, it's something new and something different, but it's still a story. And so for me, it's, it's just a joy. Anytime I can put words on paper, it's a joy. <laughs> so. Yeah, I get, I, I see that. Ava, as you look at the books that you've written, you've developed a talent for incorporating truth in amongst the fiction. In fact, you know, some people like to make up make-believe stories, make you feel good. I just finished reading your Cedar Key series, and you've got mm-hmm. so much truth in there. You're like, wow, what a roller coaster. This is some pretty deep stuff. Where did you learn to incorporate real-life truth in fiction in order to be able to present the gospel? I don't know that I learned it. I think it just comes natural for me. It's it's just the way my brain works. Um, You know, again, I, I see things and I ask myself, where would that have come from? If I, if I see or overhear, you always have to be careful around me because I thought, you know, if you're talking stuff, I might end up putting it in one of my books, but, um, well, you could write I, a fiction book about a really famous Christian radio talk show host. You could always do that. I, I, I could, I, I could, <laughs> uh, just tell me your problems and we'll go from there. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you know, the second book in the Cedar Key series deals with abandonment issues and what happens when children feel abandoned. Um, it, it was something that was sparked by a real-life event in my own life. Um, and I, a very dear friend of mine who is a, a, a psychologist talked to him and said, you know, what, what would be the, re- the, the reaction or, or the results of this? And we talked about that at length. And I created Patsy's story. And then, um, the, you know, the, the, the first story in the Cedar Key series deals with uh, divorce and remarriage and, um, and when children are in the mix. Um, and that was inspired by my best friend's journey uh, through that story, uh, you know, and, and that really that hardship and watching her children struggle with loving both parents and yet... Um, being being placed almost like pawns in a game. And uh, I just, I thought, okay, you know, what if, 
And that's really the two words that swirl around a fiction writer's mind all the time. What if? Well, what if this? What if that? And, and so, um, the third book in the, in the Cedar Key series really just grew organically out of the stories that were told in the first two. And that you can look at, you can be from the outside looking in and it, Looks like everything is perfect inside that house, but rarely is that true. Yeah, that is for absolute sure. And, and that's always the case. Martha and I do marriage mentoring and have been doing it for 17 years. And you hear the stories and really you nailed just about every one of the ones that we've ever seen. What I loved <laughs> in the open, I mean, you just, you didn't shy away from anything. And I loved that. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you're dealing with, you dealt with divorce and the pain of divorce and the alienation of divorce. You dealt with divorce and people running in different directions, either to God or from God, which is often the case. Uh, then you threw right. in the old lady next door, Patsy, and and, yeah. and was a real shocker book too, when you really told yeah. Patsy's story. But what a heartfelt story and how neat to see the value of an old person in a young person's life, because we all need that. And a lot of people don't have that in today's world. Uh, that yeah. was and, and then when you went back and told Patsy's love story and, and the story of her life, the struggles, that was, it was fascinating. I mean, I, I was riveted. I literally read, I don't know how long ago I, I got those, but I read them in a week, all three of them. So I, it was, it was fascinating. But what I love the fact is you weren't, you weren't, you didn't shy away from even the child custody challenges. I mean, going, right. go, and I don't want to give away all of it. I know that's what you authors like to bait people, but really just dealing with, I mean, you dealt with real life pain and suffering, the court system and mm-hmm. child rearing from two different approaches. And wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anything that uh, doesn't scare yeah. you? Yeah, no, no, not really. Um, but you, you know, you do have to tap into the core of who people are, the core of who you are uh, when you write these stories and to ask yourself if, if this happened to me, how would I respond and react to it? The other thing is to remember that, that not everyone responds and reacts the same way. So when, when you're building a character, as a, as a fiction writer, when you're building a character, if that character has a strong core, then they are going to respond and react differently to the same situation as someone who comes from uh, a, a lesser you know, like, for example, Patsy. Uh, even though everything seemed okay, it wasn't okay. Um, it, she she was facing something that a young girl shouldn't have to face, and then all of a sudden she's just sent away by her mother. And 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 how would that affect you? You can't expect that it would not have some effect on her. And so that's what I looked into. And yet the way Patsy reacted and responded to it was different than the way somebody else might have reacted or responded. Or, for example, Patsy's two brothers. They were Mm. being reared in the same home, and one reacted to the abuse one way, and one reacted to the abuse another way. Yeah, that was tragic, but yet great to see. What what I loved through all this is you, you, you let your characters struggle. You let some of them truly go down some very ugly paths, and yet you constantly brought back the reconciliation of the Lord, the restoration that we get from the Lord, the redemption we get from the Lord. And and you, you talked a lot about forgiveness, and you talked a yeah. lot about people. I mean, and, and you also displayed some of the ugliness in our society and how people deal with mm-hmm. problems like this. You, I mean, mm-hmm. alcohol and drug abuse and, and things like that that were, 
And, and people with just control issues, you know, people totally retentive and, and control issues. They got to control everything and drove people crazier. I mean, it was yeah. how much, I mean, your, your, your fiction was spot on with the reality of truth. We're talking today with Ava Marie Everson, and she's a fictional author. She's a nonfiction author. She's been an author for a very long time, and she's got a website. You can find out all about all of her books at avamarieeversonauthor.com. All right, Ava, when you were writing that Cedar Key trilogy, as I'll call it, first of all, I kept looking up on the Florida map going, Martha, you and I have got to go to Cedar Key. This, I now know all the street <laughs> names. I know the park names. I know where the sun rises and where the sun sets. How much That's time right. did you spend in Cedar Key before you wrote that? Oh, as much as possible. <laughs> that was It was my getaway place. And, and actually, I'll tell you this really funny story. Um, I went there, uh, you know, I had found Cedar Key and fell in love with it and then decided that I wanted to go, a friend of mine who was also a writer, she and I wanted to go one weekend and just, you know, just kind of have a little brainstorming session and just enjoy the beautiful weather there, et cetera. And so I, I grabbed a stack of magazines. To, to take with me. And the very first day that we're there, we're sitting out on the balcony um, overlooking the Gulf, and I'm flipping through a magazine, and I see a an, uh, an ad for Liz Claiborne Spring, no, no, Summer Whites. It's called Summer Whites. And it, it, was, it was a picture of these uh, four girls, all blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tanned, wearing white clothes, all right, and, we're going to have to hear more of that story when we come back for the break. We're talking today with Ava Marie Everson. She's an author, a fantastic author, but we've been talking today about her Cedar Key trilogy. And Ava, I apologize for interrupting you, but I had to go to break. But you were talking about your first day at Cedar Key this one weekend with a pile of magazines. And let's just tell people, the Keys, Cedar Key is nowhere near the Keys. No. Cedar Key is up no. near the Panhandle of Florida yes. in, in the what they call the Nature Coast area, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, 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 beautiful area. Just absolutely glorious up there. Yes. So talk to me about that. Well, you know, you know, we have a caller, Charles from yeah. Georgia, who said that he grew up with you. Charles, welcome to uh, I Work For Him. Did you have a question for the author? Hi. No, I just basically wanted to tell, say hi, Eva Marie. Hey, Charles. How are you? I'm doing fine. Enjoying the show. I'm sitting there listening to you while I'm at work, and I uh, just want to tell you how proud we are of you. Thank you, Charles. And, yes, I, I have a lot of fond memories with Charles. His, his mother was my fifth-grade teacher, and what? oh, what a wonderful teacher she was. Well, she really, a lot to... she, yeah, she was one of the ones who really knew. She saw the talent, and she really poured herself into me, which I, I'm saying that because I, I said earlier that a teacher um, – you know, dissuaded me from being a writer. But Mrs. Kimbrough was one of those who encouraged me, and I will always remember her fondly, as well as Charles and his brothers. Charles, any any funny stories about Ava Marie growing up? Did you know she was going to become a famous author? Uh, let's just say I suspected. Uh, she had, I guess, uh, insight that uh, you didn't see in kids her age. You know, most of us uh, just want to have fun. Um and uh, Eva Marie was uh, very intelligent, very insightful, still is. And uh, the fact that she's become successful is really not a surprise to most of us who know her. No, thank you, Charles. I appreciate the, that. 
Well, it's always nice to hear those words. Charles, thanks so much for listening to I Work Rim and for calling in today. Sorry that it took so long for me to get to you. I apologize, but we do appreciate Not you listening, problem. and you have a great day. Thank you. Ava. I'm enjoying it at work. <laughs> All right. Ava, let's go back to Cedar Key because you've described it. If the people that the, the person that actually gets to win this series is going to live Cedar Key. I mean, I can almost smell the streets as you talk about mm-hmm. pulling in there and you can smell the harbor and you can, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's fantastic. I, I can't wait to go to yeah. Sykes and have dinner. That's what, it, that's what I'm just waiting for. Uh, is that yeah. actually a real, yeah. is that a real restaurant mm-hmm. or not? I mean, it is, but it's not called Sykes. Oh, okay. um, but it wouldn't be really difficult to find. I mean, it really <laughs> wouldn't be. It's right there, you know, on, I think it's called Harbor Street. Uh, it's kind of in the middle. You walk. I mean, it's all wooden glass when you walk in. So I, I, it's exactly the way I described it. So talk to me about that day. You're sitting there with a bunch of magazines in your lap, and you're you're starting to brainstorm on the series. What happened? Well, actually, no. I, I didn't have any idea on the series. I just happened to flip a page, and there was an ad with four blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tan girls, and one obviously darker, more Hispanic girl sitting in the middle. And as soon as I saw this Liz Claiborne ad, I said, I I flipped it over, I showed it to my friend, my writer friend, and I said, what's the story behind this picture? And she's a nonfiction writer. And she said, I I, I don't know. And I I started telling her the story. And that became, of course, the the first book in the Cedar Key series. Wow. That's way because i you know then that would just tell you everything that that happens but you know the story but you know about uh the the dark-haired girl and the and the four sisters so right no that's hilarious so talk to me about cedar key i mean you describe it in the in the book but just describe this town for me most people in florida probably don't even know much about cedar key so talk to why you decided Uh, this is a place where i've got to put a series in It is the absolute end of the world. I mean, you cannot go any farther without driving into the Gulf of Mexico. There's just something about it. As soon as I cross the first of the four bridges that lead in, uh, which is bridge number four, something inside me just leapt for joy. First of all, the first time I went in, as soon as I drove over the the first bridge, which is the fourth bridge, um, my cell phone went out. And I realized I was going to get to go somewhere for several days and no one could bug me. And that, to me, was just amazing. Now, now you're going to get cell service there, but then you didn't. Um, I grew up on the coast of Georgia. You know, I grew up near Savannah. So the marsh and, and the water and, and the sunrise, and in the case of Cedar Key, you get sunrise and sunset. So uh, all of that just just absolutely did something to me. The people there were so charming and 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 hardworking and just great. They're just wonderful. Um, if you go on Facebook and you type in Eva Marie Everson's Southern Novels, you will actually find videos that I took, and I just kind of give you a little tour of Cedar Key. So those are there. You know, I got to believe that Cedar Keys Tourism uh, Department is thanking us right now for uh, trying to book up all the rest of the hotel rooms for the rest of the summer. Great place to go. Probably not in July. Probably a little bit better in October. I would imagine better yeah. better there. So yeah. you you tackle all of these difficult issues in your books, Ava Marie. You you divorce and child custody issues, child rearing, child abuse, adoption, forgiveness, rekindled romance, the aftermath of divorce. 
but redemption in Christ. You tackle all of these issues and you present the gospel in a, in a, in a way that you kind of draw people in and to get them to read from book one to book two to book three to see the Lord's work in people's lives. How did the Lord teach you to do that? I mean, how did that idea come up with like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to finalize everything in the first book. I'm going to kind of draw people out into three books. Well, I, it's not, I don't know that that's anything. I don't, you know, I, again, I, I think those are the, just kind of the things that happen. Um, in this particular case, as I was developing the first story, I realized that Patsy had a story. And then as I'm continuing to work on the first story, I, I wrote a little, you know, paragraph about Patsy. Okay, let me just put this over here for right now. But then I also realized that there was such a connection between these sisters and their stepmother and their dad. Um, but, you know, the, the bottom line that I was trying to get across in book one, which a lot of people didn't get, few did, but still it's there and it doesn't matter. It's the importance of the father's role in the lives of his children. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot stress that enough. I have seen so many sad, sad situations when fathers who are, who are either good fathers who just walked away, bad fathers who won't let go, <laughs> you know, um, or are fathers who are well-meaning and yet uh, kind of, you know, in, in like the case of the girls with their dad, he was trying so hard to protect his girls that he ended up hurting his girls. So, but, but the bottom line was, and, and even with Stephen, the, the story of Stephen in these books, how, how important he was to his daughter. Um, and, and all of that, you know, it, it, it really truly was a book about fathers. And a lot of times people think, oh, this is a great book about divorce and showing what happens with divorce. But what I was trying to get across is, especially to certain dads, you have to love your children more than you dislike their mother. Wow, that's a powerful statement. And when, and I think what also you communicated in there was that as a father, you have to learn to love your children differently because each one of those girls was so different. And yes. dad had to really learn that. And then when a tragic life incident happens to mom, when the stepmom comes in, I got to believe that our mutual friend helped give you some insight on that whole how to be a great stepmom because the person that's in there really displayed Christ to those girls in an amazing fashion in, in a kind of an awkward situation that's created. But I, mm-hmm. I, I love, I love that. Wouldn't it just be easier to just write feel good novels instead of have all this stuff? Cause you, you get very emotional in these novels. Um, I don't know. I don't know that it would be easier. Um, I, I, I don't know a life that has been, untouched and unscathed and i think that's what makes us grow if we you know my favorite novel growing up was a a book that came out i believe it was probably somewhere around the early to mid 60s called mr and mrs bojo jones there was a character in this story um her name was hattie barnes this is how how many times i've read this this novel it was my favorite book growing up um and she says to july jones who was the main character um, that 
at least she she was I, I have to go back a little bit. July is 16 years old and pregnant and in the 1950s what did you do when you got pregnant you got married. And so she's ashamed of the fact that she is pregnant and she's starting to show. And Hattie Barnes says to her, "Don't be embarrassed, hon. At least you know life has put a hand on you. Me, it never even laid a finger." And that line stuck with me for years and years and years. And so when things that aren't so pleasant happen, I think, well, at least life is putting a finger on me. The Mm. great thing about it as a Christian is that not only is the finger on me, (laughs) the life's finger is on me at times, but God's hand is on me. And his hand is greater than life's finger. Well, and that's why these books are really a great tool for people who, for whom life has been a little bit rough. I mean, to, there's sometimes you people in a rough spot in life, you want to present the gospel to them, you want to talk to them about hope in Christ, and sometimes they're just really closed. But you give them a fiction novel, say, hey, why don't you guys go, why don't you go escape for the weekend and read a book? And they'll read these books, and they're going to hear the truth that you would have presented to them, but they're going to read it for themselves, and the Lord's going to have a chance to communicate it His way. And that's what I love about Christian fiction, is that it's intentional in the interlacing of the gospel within the story. And Ava Marie, as you put that in there, it is so powerful. And what a great, this, this is like giving somebody a mini Bible. It's not all the Bible, but it's the truth about Jesus and people will read it and they won't even know they're, they're hearing the gospel until they get to the end. They're like, wow, these guys' lives were rescued by, by Christ. This is a great thing. Yeah. 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 So what kind of, he taught in stories. Mark says it. And everywhere he went, he, he, he taught in parables. Those are stories. He, he, he was making the stories up. And he was excellent. Jesus was an excellent story storyteller. Yep. Really quick before we go to the break, got about 30 seconds. What kind of feedback do you get from, from your readers, from people that read your books? You know, it's interesting. I just got an email from someone the other day about the Cedar Key series. And understand that the Cedar Key series came out. You know, a few years back. I mean, not not a lot of years back, but a few years back. But I got two emails, um, and, and both of them were about how the 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 impact of the books led them to forgive someone in their life. Now, Fantastic! All right, we'll come we'll come back with that because we got a hair break. We're talking with author Ava Marie Everson. Ava, I apologize. I had to take out to a break again. I, I just it was a bigger story than what I thought. You said you were getting some feedback from some people that just finished reading the Cedar Key series, even though it had been released a few years back. Yeah, I just they were uh, both both letters that or emails that just came to me this week uh, said that in reading the books, they were led to forgive someone that they had been holding some resentment toward. And and I just you know I'm like I can't make this up. <laughs> so it's that just kind of it's like wow you it's know hum- humbling I, it's, yeah it's just it's almost too much yeah it really is and so if one life has changed then then three years of work is worth it so absolutely you know, this, so yeah. I'm sure there's way more than one life because it, it, even even though I didn't experience any of the things that those young ladies experienced in that life I just I. My wife and I have dealt with many couples who have struggled, mm-hmm. and it is just great, just great stuff. And and Bonnie called in from Wisconsin to win the series, and so we'll send that out to Bonnie from Wisconsin. Thanks, Bonnie, for listening, and uh, we'll we'll get those out to you. So 
as you you're finishing up the Eric Little, you're writing the Eric Little biography. Mm-hmm. Do you got any other fiction uh, stories mm-hmm. in, in the lineup coming up? Gosh, yes. Um, uh, see, well, since the Cedar Key series, I wrote a book for Tyndale Publishing called Five Brides, which is based on a true story of Joan Hunt Zimmerman, who came to the United States from England after World War II with $30 in her pocket, nowhere to live and no job, and uh, she became an icon in the South. But it's a fascinating story of how she wore this, a wedding dress with her four roommates. It's just a, an amazing story uh, and everything that they accomplished in their lives. Um, and then I have another book uh, with Abingdon uh, called The Road to Testament. I have a, another book with Abingdon that's coming out in October. It's a Christmas novella, my very first Christmas novella. I'm excited about that, called God Bless Us everyone. Ooh. And uh, then I, I am a with author. I co-wrote um, a, a, an autobiography called Leanne Jeffries, The Bipolar Experience. That comes out in September. Very excited about that because I, I have the, the, the issue of mental health and uh, mental illness and bipolar disorder specifically is very near and dear to my heart. And being a part of telling Lee and Jeffrey's story was it, it was just an honor for me, and I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on uh, the the finishing touches um, for another Tyndale novel uh, titled um, "The One True Love of Alice Ann. It's a World War II novel, stateside novel. And uh, then I'm working on the um, the book with Eric Eichinger. Uh, the Eric Little story, and and we don't. I I don't think we have a title yet. They haven't gotten to that part yet. So I don't know how you keep track of all that, but I, but I do. I do want to thank you for coming on. I work for him today, Ava Marie. It's been fantastic thank hearing you. your story. Thanks for sharing the Cedar Key series with us. Thanks for using fiction to bring truth to light in such a way that it's so much easier to communicate and help and inspire our our listening audience to use. Christian fiction to bring the gospel to their friends. Ava Marie Everson, thank you so much for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you. All right. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, thanks for tuning in today. I hope that you learned something that there's a, maybe there's, maybe you're a, a, a big reader and you didn't realize you could use Christian fiction to present the gospel. I've used it many times. It's a great way to break down some of those walls and start some fantastic conversations. There is so much out there, but you can find out more from Eva, Ava Marie Everson author.com you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower and i own my own business but ultimately i work for him